There's a great new podcast I want to tell you about. It is called Lost and Found. It's hosted by Matt McConkie, who you may know from the Earwolf podcast, Homophilia. Lost and Found is a series of intimate conversations with some of Matt's favorite writers, actors, and comedians who also happen to be adopted, just like him. Matt will also ask the burning question, if adoptees have a lifelong fear of rejection, why do so many of them pursue careers in entertainment? You can listen to Lost and Found right now. It's out now on Stitcher Premium. And remember, Stitcher Premium, it's got our whole back catalog of Beautiful Anonymous. It's got our live shows and a bunch more exciting stuff related to Beautiful Anonymous coming in coming months that I'm excited to tell you about. Meantime, though, go to stitcherpremium.com slash found. Use promo code STORIES for a free month of Stitcher Premium. Hello to everybody who likes drinking in the woods. It's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hello, everybody. Chris Gethard here, welcoming you to another episode of Beautiful Anonymous. Very, very lucky that I get to do this, that I get to talk to you. I want to say, if you've ever been out there thinking about calling in, you say, I'll pick up the phone. It'll probably be busy. You pick up the phone next time you do it, because what if you're the one I get to talk to? I want to talk to everybody. Best gig in the world. I love it. Thanks for supporting me. Spread word on it. Tell people about it. I, uh, I want to mention, in case any of you guys are in the St. Louis area, St. Louis, I'll be in town Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Five shows spread out at the Helium Comedy Club. Please do come on out. I, uh, it's so nice. I, I've been hitting the road again since the Gethard Show wrapped up, get to meet people. And uh, guess what? My publishing company, I'm putting out a new book in October called Lose Well. They told me they're going to give me copies of the book, advanced copies to hand out at the show. So I'm going to give away one or two each show. And uh, maybe come out, you get it. Who knows? But I'd love to meet any beautiful Anonymous fans in St. Louis on Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. Bring my friend Carmen Christopher, writer for the Chris Gethard Show. I'll put on a little show for you guys. Last week's episode, The Chillionaire, I was very proud of the name of that episode. Uh, positive response. I will say the, the, the one thing that made me smile in the Facebook group is that across the board, there were a lot of people going, oh yeah, give me a million dollars. I'll handle it just as well. I'll just handle it as well. A lot of people got a kick out of it, I think. A lot of people, I think, it's funny, uh, you know, also some people posting saying they're from uh, other cultures, other countries where that's not a big deal and where they were like, why is this a big deal? And it did make me realize we really do get hung up on that. Facebook group had a lot of talk too about how we don't talk about that because of, you know, labor, you know, unions and labor and people trying to divide us. Very interesting. But most of all, very positive. A lot of people got a kick out of the Chillionaire. So Chillionaire, thanks for calling, sharing your story. Now this episode you're about to hear. You're going to hear it. I, 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 Man, I, I was like a little tired coming into it. This one woke me right up because this is a story you don't hear every day. You know, there's a lot of th- movements lately. There's a lot of things that um, 10 years ago we weren't thinking about. Five years ago we weren't thinking about. Now we are. And uh, this is one of them. I would say even more recently that a lot of us had not heard the syllable trans. We hadn't heard that. We didn't know what that meant. And uh, we've all been learning. And, and through pop culture, through the news, through living real life, we've all been learning more and more about it. This is, this is someone who learned about it through personal experience, through their family. 
It was very, very interesting here. What's it like when it's personal? What's it like when you don't know anybody else who's dealt with what you've dealt with? What if it's, what if it's not you? What if it's someone in your family? What if it's uh, one of your parents and you don't know anyone else who has come out with this and you don't know anyone else who's dealing with someone in their family who has either? Very interesting story. Did my best to make sure that the caller was able to tell their story. It's eye-opening. It's uh, intense at times. And it's a pretty fascinating story that I felt lucky to hear. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hi. Hey, Chris. What's up? Wow, this is awesome. I was just telling my husband, I was like, this is the first time I ever even got on hold. And I was really excited. (laughs) (laughs) I'm happy to uh, I'm happy to bring this exciting moment to you and your family. Yes, thank you. Uh, <laughs> this is really great. I just started listening to Beautiful Anonymous about, let's say, a couple months ago because um, I had to get into podcasts because um, I have a son who is now eight months old. Oh, nice. And uh, we tried to do no screens with him, and so I stopped being able to watch any TV. <laughs> <laughs> so you wanted your son to live a no-screens life, and that just means you also have to live a no-screens life. Pretty much. We're doing the whole attachment parenting thing, so it's like he's with me or my husband 100% of the time at this point. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this little, uh, ah. this little guy's here in my, he's hearing like me talk to people about sex yeah, work, sex work like and stuff like lot. that. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, pretty much. Oh, I'd no. say we're, uh, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm just listening to them one after the other. So I think, uh, gosh, which one did I just finish up? But we're, we're not quite caught up. I just got past the hundredth episode. Oh, nice. All so right. he's heard all of them so far. Yeah. He's, he's going to know your voice really well when he actually learns to talk, but don't worry. He doesn't understand any words yet. <laughs> great. Great. Hopefully <laughs> I won't sit around feeling too guilty then. Yeah. Well, how are you? How am I? I'm going to be, okay. I like to be honest, as everybody knows. I'll tell you, the, the honest answer is I'm really, I'm, I'm tired. I'm excited to be on the phone, but I am tired. I, uh, I, uh, for the context of when we're taping this, last week was the final episode of my TV show, at least for the season. So that was a very busy week. And then Saturday, I went and did some shows in Bloomington, Indiana. And then Sunday, I did some shows in Chicago. So this morning, I was in an airport with flight delays. And I landed and dropped my bags, and then I got on the train, and now I'm here. So I'm a little tired, but I'm excited because I tell you, I was out and uh, doing the shows, and I got to meet a whole bunch of people who listen to Beautiful Anonymous, and that's always the coolest thing in the world. So I was really psyched to actually come and take a call today after meeting all these people face-to-face. Yeah, that's awesome. I can imagine that it would energize you a little bit. I hope I can help. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And I'm – hey, also – I'm gonna I'm gonna bring the heat, so don't you worry about that. But I am uh, I've been been running around all over this great nation of ours is the thing. So how are yeah. you how are you doing? I'm I'm good. I actually just drank some caffeinated tea, so I'm Ooh. really hyped up because I can't do like any caffeine pretty much ever, but when you don't sleep because you have an eight month old, you kinda gotta do what you gotta do. I should have so, done that. So Sometimes I yeah. get caffeinated. Tea is great. I Green know. tea is like right right in the I like a good breakfast <laughs> right tea with honey. I like a good breakfast yeah. tea with honey, and uh, I sometimes have one. And, oh, uh, Harry just got up. Harry just got up from the booth. Harry's going to help me out. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, but you I don't like... good people there. That's not Harry's job, though. I'm going to apologize if he gets back. 
the Catholic guilt is kicking in. He shouldn't have to do that, but I should have gotten myself some caffeine before we started. Then you and I, he'll get me some tea. We'll just sip some tea. We'll talk for an hour. It'll be great. That's fantastic. Well, I wanted to tell you too. It's really funny. I've been, um, when I started listening to your show, I love therapy, of course. And um, <laughs> I was, I haven't been in therapy for a few months because with a young child, you don't, you don't feel good about leaving the house for any amount of time. So right. I kept telling myself I didn't have time for it. And when I listened to your show and I said, oh my gosh, I want to call in and talk to Chris because I bet he'll ask me some really cool questions about the stuff that I was trying to process. And that made me realize that I should really probably just call a therapist as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I just got off the phone with the therapist and I have my first session on Monday. So you're kind of like the therapy fairy, I feel like. It's like when you're doing the right thing, <laughs> then you get to talk to Chris Gethard. <laughs> uh, can we just, can you just give me a moment in my life to pause and just soak in that I have now been dubbed the therapy fairy. The therapy fairy. I tell you, when I was growing up in northern New Jersey in the 80s and 90s, I would have dreaded that nickname. But now I wear that with a real, a real badge of honor, with nothing but pride. No, you should. You should. Therapy has saved my life, like, over and over again. I mean, I wouldn't say actually literally saved it. I'm, I'm fortunately not on that depressive scale, I would say. But um, I've been going to therapy since I was eight because my parents Ooh. took me to divorce counseling with them. So it has really, really shaped my life in a good way. Wow. So you're an early adopter. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I've gotten really comfortable with therapy. Sadly, I think I've actually gotten too good at it. And if the therapist is not really good, I'm really good at talking my way out of not progressing. <laughs> Thank you, Harry. I'm so sorry I asked you to do that, Harry. Just so you know, I got update for you and everybody listening. The tea is here. Harry got me. Amazing. It's like three packs of sugar in the raw. I'm going to tell you how many are going to go in. <clears throat> All three. Perfect. Oh, three sugars on this, yes. Not honey, though. Honey is really good for your voice. There's no, Harry just threw his hands up. We got no honey here at Earwolf today. <laughs> no honey present at Earwolf today. Sorry. That's okay. Sugar, yeah. sugar never hurt anybody, right? Is that a thing? Never. No, never, one time. never in a million years has sugar ever caused any. Exactly. So, what would you like to, what, what are we talking about today? Well, um, the things that I was thinking about processing, um, I have a pretty crazy story that a lot of my friends just tell me is a soap opera. So I thought that you would probably like it. And hopefully there are viewers out there that um, realize that they're not alone. But um, I'm in a very small group of people whose parents came out as transgendered after we were adults. Wow. So, yeah. Um, so I was 23 when my dad came out um, and said that she had been feeling like a woman since she was four. Um, so it was a lot. And, and I think it's really, uh, when, when my dad came out, so this is about nine or 10 years ago at this point. Um, but so when she came out, it was, it was not like a big thing in the public eye yet. It wasn't, um, right. Certainly wasn't very viewable. It was still LGB, you know, LGB, <laughs> not LGBT. Right. Or definitely not LGBTQ. Um, yeah, when so you when you say not a big thing, you don't. It, it, you mean it was not a big uh, point of life. It, it was wasn't not in a, the public eye. It wasn't a cultural well, yeah. touchstone. It was a big. It was actually a much <laughs> bigger thing on a personal level. I would imagine. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I had. I didn't even know what it was. Um, 
you know, and I was, I was a daddy's girl growing up for sure. My dad, um, both my parents are, uh, well, we're struggling actors and my mom decided to go get a quote unquote real job, but my dad stayed back trying to be an actor still. And, um, and so basically raised me while my mom was out working. So I was really close with my dad and, um, I, you know, I loved sports and hated makeup and climbed trees and all of that stuff that you would associate kind of with a very masculine type person. Um, you can hear my voice is pretty low too. Uh, and so I, I think I was trying to emulate my dad a lot. And then my dad came out at 23 when I was 23 and said, just kidding. All of this, uh, was fake and now I can be my real self. And this is so great because I was hiding and I was lying and all this stuff. So it's uh it's it's pretty crazy. Like I'm a hundred percent supportive of of trans people, but I think it's really important to say um that it is a really hard thing to deal with someone in your life transitioning. Yeah, I mean I can imagine that that's uh that's a head spinning thing for for that it has to be like a you know it it has to be like a boulder just drops in a pond and then those waves just start hitting everyone around in in that in in life i can't imagine did you uh were you were you totally blindsided were you totally shocked or were there were there aspects of your of your uh, father's personality that that you said oh this might explain some behavior or anything like that were there any things that kind of clicked into place for you I mean, here's the crazy thing about that is that when you're raised like that, you think that's what masculine is. Mm-hmm. So for me, no, not at all. But then I had to reassess what, what being a man was. Um, I'll tell you, I realized pretty quickly why I kept dating men that turned out to be gay. <laughs> oh, wow. um, I actually, my, yeah, my homecoming, my homecoming date sophomore year of high school is now a woman. Um, so Deep down, I definitely had a very strange view of what masculine was. Um, so, so the answer to that question is no, because that you know it's like Truman Show almost. Where whereas if it's real for you, that's that's what it is. Yeah. So I went through a long period of reassessing what exactly men are like, <laughs> and really, what is it like? Does it actually mean anything to be a man or a woman besides like your genitalia? I don't know. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really a difficult question. I mean, one of the crazy things was that when I went back and listened to my dad used to record, um, us like audio, you know, back on audio tape before there was uh videotape or, <laughs> uh, anything like that. Um, uh, my dad had a conversation that we were having when I was like maybe one and a half, two, um, where she was talking to me in a, a woman's voice. And of course, I don't remember this because this was this is back with like just implicit memory, not explicit. But um, so that that was my foundation. So of course, I have no idea. <laughs> wow. Now you and you said you said uh, totally supportive of the of of trans people of the trans community, but also on a personal level, it was something that was uh, diff- difficult to uh, be in your shoes. Why? What are what are the uh, what are the bullet points because I would imagine it's far more nuanced than than anybody listening can imagine for sure yeah and um I actually so again I have to thank you for this kind of roundabout because I realized that I was having such a problem with it after I started listening to your podcast and I was just like so obsessed with getting on because I wanted to talk about it and I realized (laughs) there was a reason that I really wanted to talk about it um so I found a Facebook group online because um for nine years I never I'm an only child um, so I had never talked to a single other person that had been in my shoes. 
um, when Transparent, the the show came out, I was, I cried at like every episode because it's very real. Um, it, it, a lot of the scenarios that happened, like, especially in the first season happened to me. So it was crazy to see even some dramatic depiction of, of my life. Cause I had never spoken with anyone else about it. Um, so when I went online and I found this support group finally, cause there was nothing out there at all. When, when my dad came out, I looked and couldn't find anything. Um, but I'm online now and I'm asking, you know, some questions to some other people who are around my age and we're all saying the same thing, which is like, so one of the things, especially when um, first transitioning, you go on hormones. So when you go on hormones and you're changing, I think either way, but you know, what I know is from male to female, uh, my dad went through puberty again. Um, and so my dad started acting like a teenager, <laughs> uh, which was really strange, really, really strange. Uh, like she would do things like... Um, I came over one time and she had gone through my middle school jewelry and she was like wearing my dolphin mood ring from when I was 11 <laughs> and she hadn't asked me. Um, so it was, it was really, really odd because not only is my dad going through my stuff, which is weird to begin with, but it's also like, that was my middle school jewelry and it's not, I mean, not appropriate at all for a 50 some year old woman to wear so it was it right. was doubly weird, and then right. also that she's just not asking me. <laughs> and you said you were twenty three. Yeah. So you're the person you grew up with as your father is on hormone treatments that are making them behave as someone who is now slightly younger than you, almost in a way. Some of the yeah. some of the impulses are almost. I mean, you're still in that range though. Of like twenty three is not so far from. Um, from that age, what what a uh, what a head spinning turnaround! How how did you how how did your how did your dad come to tell you that this was going on? Well, it was kind of a perfect setup by accident. Um, it was right when uh, Milk came out the the show, I mean the the movie, mm-hmm. and we went to go see it because one of the big things that my dad and I bonded extremely on um, was movies and good movies. So we went and saw Milk, and I think. Uh, as we were driving home, I said to my father, not, not expecting anything at all. I said, Oh my gosh, I can't believe, you know, how somebody could live so long, uh, with their, with such a big secret (laughs) and not feel like themselves. Like that would be so horrible. I just can't imagine. And then my dad literally said, well, (laughs) uh, let me tell you. And, and she like sat me down and said, this is what, transgendered is and I feel like I'm a I feel like I am a girl and that I was a girl growing up and this is how I've identified myself and she had been in therapy for a couple years because she um she had bouts of depression her whole life she's on depression meds um she went undiagnosed bipolar for most of her life um and so I think she got on bipolar meds pretty much like the year before she came out to me so not that soon before I mean not that far before um but she she just said like this is this is who I am and so I had no idea what it was and to me it was kind of like my dad just saying okay well I want to wear I want to look like a woman and I was like great sure that's fine whatever like you're still you but the really hard thing to deal with was when she said actually all of my interests have changed um like there was this one time I I don't wear 
makeup. I'm not a makeup person. Um, <laughs> I have another crazy story. We actually, my husband and I moved to Canada. We tried to leave because of Trump. No joke. We were actually those people. Um, but we're, our visa stuff got kind of messed up and we got kicked out. But <laughs> uh, we tried and I had an anchor baby. There's a whole bunch more stuff there. So my son is Canadian. But anyway, um, the reason I was telling you that is Wait, I actually left on. my mascara hold- in the U.S. And I didn't realize for six months that I didn't have any makeup. <laughs> Wait, hold on. <laughs> You're telling me. You're telling me we got so much to talk about that the fact that you uh, fled this country for political reasons and had a Canadian anchor baby is just a playful aside that we're gonna just toss out there and then. I mean, move on from. Look, Chris, my my mother when my dad came out decided she was gonna date her ex husband who's currently married to someone who's dying of Parkinson's with two children. So like, I'm living, I'm living a soap opera. It's just. just what my life. are you talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I get that reaction a this, lot. Your mom's dating uh, uh, someone who was her husband before her and your dad got together? Yeah. So, um, but so that she per- was married three times. This. Yeah. <laughs> talk about meat on the bones. This phone call has a lot of meat on the bones right here. Wow. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, no, it's, see, this is whenever I meet someone new, this is what happens for like maybe the first three times that we hang out. I just dominate the conversation because I have this insane story where people just, my therapists, like the ones that aren't that great, <laughs> just love me coming every week so that they can hear more. It's like the next chapter. Yeah. Does your <laughs> shrink like saga. bring popcorn? What's going on? Yeah. What is going yeah, on? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I have a question. I, I have a question, um, and I've been trying to follow your lead, but it's also just something I want to ask. I want to make sure, because um, you know, I try to, I try to be. I think I, I think I am a pretty open-minded person, and I think I'm a very respectful person. I do keep asking about your father, referring to the past tense. I want to make sure that I'm not. Is that am I doing something offensive there? I actually don't know if that because I know that is so, no. a gendered term, and I, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Yeah, no, that's a, it's, it's an extremely good question. And it actually is something that just came up again for my dad. So, um, when she came out, she said, I could call her, I call her pop. Right. So I've been calling her pop for the nine years that she's been a woman, because honestly, you just learn to, uh, to de-gender, you know, she's, she's my dad. She's a lady, but she's also my dad because that's what happened, you know? And that's like, that's just what it is. But um, this Mother's Day, which was just crazy because <laughs> this is my first Mother's Day. I had a son um, in October, so I was so excited about this being, you know, my first time as, as, a, as a mom with a baby on the outside. Um, and my dad called me two days before and said, you know, I don't really feel like celebrating Father's Day anymore. Um, I want to be celebrated on Mother's Day. What do you think about that? <laughs> Wow. And I said, wow, no, I can't, not this year. I just can't, like, it's, you know, it's two days from now. And this is not enough time for me to process that. And so, um, so yeah, now the conversation is because my son is going to be calling her grand, right? And so the conversation is, well, what, what do I call her now for my son's sake, which is a huge political debate right now. And, and there are a lot of people, well, it'll always be, I'm sure. Um, but there are people on both sides, which are like, no, she's my father. And then there is the other side where it's like, 
No, but she wants to be, they, they call it passing. So she wants to pass. So it would be, you know, detrimental to her, especially in a public setting or something. If you called her by a, a male pronoun and kind of gave her away, um, cause she's, she's going to be having the surgery finally in December, which is a, another political issue, which is crazy. But, um, for a long time, she always wanted the surgery, but she couldn't afford it because it was considered cosmetic. So um, insurance companies wouldn't cover it. And um, Obamacare uh, finally came in and, and gave uh, rights to them to say that this gender dysphoria surgery is not cosmetic, which is not. <laughs> yeah. um, just like if you were, you know, if you were born with two different genitalias that you would have the surgery and that's not cosmetic either. Um, at least that's how I feel about it. So, yeah, so she's getting the surgery. So she'll be, you know, she's had hormones and um so she is a woman in, in every aspect except for what's uh, between her legs at this point. And, and soon that'll be changing too. So that is the question. But for right now, I still call her pop. And I think as long as you refer to her as a she, you're in the clear. <laughs> okay. Okay. And it sounds like your relationship at this point, just from picking up in between lines, I'm sure there's been uh, moments of real emotion, but it, it seems like it's, you're still close. I think that seems like a good time to go ahead and hit the pause button on the phone call. Because guess what, guys? We got advertisers. They got products, services, things you might like. They also have promo codes. And when you use those promo codes, it helps the show. So I, Chris Gethard, a.k.a. apparently the Therapy Fairy, am going to uh, fly away on my little Therapy Fairy wings. And we'll be back soon with more of a phone call right after this. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company that lets you message a licensed therapist from anywhere at any time. Can't imagine fitting anything else into your life, right? I know that feeling. You're running around. How are you going to cram in this other obligation? Well, with Talkspace, therapy is easy. As easy as sending your therapist a message. You get something off your chest whenever you need to. Talk about everyday challenges at work or at home. Just chat about life. There's no extra commutes involved. You don't even have to leave the office. And nobody's going to judge you. All you need is a computer with an internet connection or the Talkspace mobile app. You can improve your mental health. Therapy is not just about venting your innermost thoughts or digging into childhood memories. It's about practical, everyday strategies for stress management, living a happier life. Having a therapist simply provides you a designated person for you to talk to who's trained to listen, help you make positive changes. And the Talkspace platform has over 2,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing life challenges we all face. You guys know that mental health is a uh, topic I have taken some stands on. It's been in the news in a really big, scary way lately. Some very successful people have taken their lives. It is sad. If you're out there suffering, you don't have to do it alone. Find a way that helps for you. If Talkspace is that way, I hope you check into it and... uh it works. Don't, uh, don't, don't, don't suffer in silence. Take some actions. Get it going. You want to match with a perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy? Go to Talkspace.com slash beautiful. Use the code beautiful to get $45 off your first month and show your support for this show. That's beautiful at Talkspace.com slash beautiful. Thank you again to all of the sponsors who help us bring this show to the world. Now let's get back to the phone call. And it sounds like your relationship at this point, just from picking up in between lines, I'm sure there's been uh, moments of real emotion, but it, it seems like it's, you're still close. Well, yeah. Um, it's funny, but I didn't, I, I've been obsessed with your show, but I haven't told her about it for a reason because I felt like if I ever got through that, I would want to be super honest. Mm -hmm. um, and it really, it really affected our relationship a lot. I, it, it affects trust 
on a huge level when someone says, I've been lying to you for 23 years and you're 23. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's like, doesn't matter what it is, but that right there can kill any type of relationship. And we, we don't have as much in common. You know, I, I don't like makeup. I don't like jewelry. I, I don't, I, I have a problem with my feet where if I wear heels, they, my arches like break literally. So I can't even wear shoes more than like flats. So we just don't, we don't have that much in common anymore. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't say close sadly. Um, and that is, it's really sad. I was talking to, my husband has a couple of really um, put together parents <laughs> and uh, I was talking to him about how crazy it was that he actually had like these supportive, um, mature um, parents with good boundaries. And I've constantly dealt with like parents that wanted to be friends or parents that wanted me to parent them or <laughs> parents with this bipolar, you know, especially the undiagnosed. Like there was one time in, in high school or when, in college when I got mad at her and she left me a, a suicide voicemail and disappeared for four hours. Oh, wow. So it's, yeah, um, it's a very, there's a very interesting question. And I want, I want my son to, to be close with her, but there is a reason. I mean, we, we moved to Canada for Trump definitely um, because also I love socialized medicine and I'm actually just, a, I, I love the Canadian government and the Canadian people and gun laws and all of that. Um, but it was a relief to me to think that I was going to be away because my parents, um, mom, my mom lives now in California, but my dad still lives in the same, uh, same general area as I do now that we had to move back here. <laughs> right. Right. But so what it is, it's, it's a hard question. Yeah. But what, I, I mean, I, I clearly, but I also have to say in some ways for, for as much as it's clearly been something that's like frustrating and a trial for you in your life. Also, you know, I, I think there is something beautiful to point out, which is that your answer is not, uh, you know, anything based in like hatefulness towards, you know, who your father's become or towards a lifestyle or a group of people. It's more, oh no, it's just, I didn't, I guess I didn't know. I guess I didn't know this person. And I guess I have to get to know this person now because. Yeah, it's, it is. It's like, um, to put it extremely harshly because I don't think I've ever actually been able to put it this harshly. Um, sometimes it feels like this person killed my father <laughs> and, oh, wow. and in a way that's right. You know, I, well, think about it this way. When you lose my father as a male does not exist anymore. This person is gone. And normally when that happens, you have this grieving period, you have this ritual, this ceremony, you can go to this funeral or this memorial service and people bring you food and people give you cards and people, just give you your space and, and they really support you and they, and they let you process that. But for me, um, especially with my dad's kind of the bipolar that was going on, because when she went on hormones, the bipolar meds stopped working. So we had some really rough years at the beginning when they were trying to figure out all the dosages and making sure that things weren't counteracting each other. But she went really hardcore on me um, you know, if you don't support me, then, then you're dead to me. Or, you know, like this is that you're against me and you don't believe in me and you don't want me to be happy. So it, I didn't have, I wasn't allowed any processing time, even more than that. I was actually being forced into this, like 
black and white. You're with me or you're against me. Um, you have to hear about trans rights every time you talk to me for like two years, you know, um, which can be taxing on anyone regardless of the issue. So it is, it's a very strange feeling to think about it that way, but that is how it feels sometimes because I don't have a dad anymore. And this person came in and basically said, your dad's gone. Now it's me. And, and I don't know, we've always had issues like boundary issues with, with her because um, of some other stuff in her past where she never really was a, a parent per se like she really tried to just be a buddy like a friend and for a while mm-hmm. it worked really well because I was young and and then I went through the teenage years but I don't think she ever really knew how to be like a, a real parent parent and so then she came through and then she went through adolescence and then I was basically older than her um and I don't think it's ever it's never gone anywhere from there so yeah she is it's it doesn't feel like a parent situation anyway wow this is, this is by far, out of all the calls we've ever done, one that is so much to wrap one's brain around. <laughs> this is a lot. I, here, here's a question I have, though, and, and, and it might be unfair because it's asking you to speculate a little bit, but maybe you've talked about it. Do, do you look back and, and feel like there's any element? I would imagine, you know, you, you've mentioned that uh, your father always dealt with bipolar, which is such a, you know, nasty thing. Um do you, do you feel like I would have to imagine is it, is there any level to which now that this transition is happening, are you seeing any effect on that? Because I, I would have to imagine that if you're someone who's prone to that and you're also keeping a massive secret from yourself and everyone, and on top of that you don't feel comfortable in your own skin, I'd have to imagine those things all exasper yeah. exasper uh, exasper uh, you know what word I'm trying to say. <laughs> How do I, exactly. yeah. Yeah, exacerbate <laughs> each other. Do you feel like now that oh, things, sure. yeah, yeah. things are out in the open, are, is, is, there, is there any side of it where it's like, oh, is there any sense of peace or tranquility that wasn't there where you feel like maybe these things all tied in together? Is that just, am I, now I'm just armchair over here. No, no, no. Like, no, I totally get it. And um, no, this is why, I mean, what is it? I, I don't want to get super political with the numbers that I don't remember, but I think it's like, what, 40%? 40% of trans people have a, a suicide attempt at some point in their life. Yeah. It's, and my dad had multiple. Oof, it's I mean, terrifying. It, this is, but this is why. This is absolutely why. When you are told that you are a different gender than you are, transgender people, they know, they know when they understand gender that they're the other gender. So my dad knew when she was like three. You know, that's, that's kind of when you start understanding girls and boys. And she was just a girl and she had no idea why she had a penis. Um and and I've done a lot of research because, you know, having a son uh, and my parents being so reactionary, I am like the opposite. I am extremely deliberate in my parenting and extremely well-researched. So um, I've done a lot of research on like epigenetics, which is that idea where genes, you have the, the option at a very young age, genes get turned on or off. Um, and so it depends on your environment. Sure, it's, it's genetic, but then it depends on your environment, whether it turns on or off. And so I'm assuming that especially feeling like you're the wrong gender and having to deal with so much of that crap early in life, it just like, you know, exacerbates any, any mental problems that you might already have in there and have them turned on. Um, so that would be, that would be my guess. 
that all of it just wraps up into one because, you know, of course, bipolar is genetic and depression is genetic and transgendered is just, you know, something, something genetic that they haven't figured out yet. But I'm, I'm sure that all of these kind of triggered one another because you, you see so many trans people that also have, you know, bipolar and, and depression and a slew of other mental health problems. And I'm sure a lot of people that are against trans would say like, oh, it's just those things that are making them feel like they're the opposite gender. But really, I think you're right. I think it just exacerbates what's already there. It's also one of those things, too, where it's like, whenever you hear that, where people are like, oh, it's those things causing it. It's that. It's not one thing. It's the mm-hmm. other. It's like, at the, the, the older I get, the more when I hear people have those sort of like circular arguments like that, I'm also like, well, who cares? Like, who cares? Who cares? Right, right. Can you please mind your own business? <laughs> like chicken, egg, yeah. who cares? Who cares? If people make life choices that make them healthier and happier, I don't really do. I don't know if we all need to point fingers about what's what. Some people, but you you would say that you're. Are you seeing that effect? Are you? Would you say that? Um, you know, you, does your father seem happy now that she's feeling yeah. like herself? Yeah. So yes and no, and I think that's really interesting too because my father was an alcoholic until I was eleven as well, um, and she's in recovery and successfully in recovery since then. Um, but she. She also had uh, an eating addiction, um, very, very overweight, and lost a ton of weight when she came out, um, which was great. But she she had anger problems and all this stuff, and she said, you know, oh, well, now that I'm me, um, all of this is going to go away. And did it? No, no, actually not. Um, it did go away to a certain extent. She is definitely happier, definitely, definitely happier. But th- that stuff is still there because – Again, I think it had to do with what was going on when all of this was setting in, like that zero to five instead of like the 55 when she came out. Um, and I think it's going to be there. And I think that it's not like, because again, if, if it if now that she's living as a woman made that stuff less, then it wouldn't be genetic. Like she still has it. Right. It's just not, right. it, yeah, she's just happier in general. So yeah, there haven't been any suicide attempts since then. Right. Um, but she, you know, she still has, she still has some episodes and, and she's still angry sometimes. And she's, she's definitely the bipolar part that gets her the most is the paranoia. Um, so she definitely goes on highs and gets super paranoid and, and she does have the eating disorder coming back in again. Um, so she's, she's curbing that. She's going back to, uh, to counseling for that. But so yes and no, I guess, you know, it's like, it's, it's the same as if, somebody had an abusive relationship that was keeping them down and they were depressive. They're definitely happier when they're out of it, but it doesn't right. get rid of that stuff. This yeah. is still someone who's prone to addiction and a survivor of abuse. And there's no, it's, it's, exactly. it's one of those situations in life that we, uh, there's so many versions of it where we start to think, oh, well, if you can, ju-, we, we forget that life doesn't have, the credits don't roll. You don't have moments in real life where the credits roll. And things are soft, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, never, never. And we all do this. Like, you know, in, I know in my world, in entertainment, everybody's like, oh, I'll get that job that'll validate all the struggle and hard work. And then you get the job and you're like, eh, it didn't change the fact that I'm like a neurotic, anxious wreck. And it's, uh, it just right. happens everywhere. So it, what, a, what a sobering look at things. What a sobering look at things. This is, uh, I have to say, I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated. Good. I was hoping you would be. Yeah, I am. Here's a question that I have for you, because it's something I'm sitting here thinking about. 
Um, mm-hmm. It's just a weird one, which you have to think about a lot. I want to, and almost loops back to that support group. I want to know more about what it was like to find that support group, especially ten years ago, because you know I'm as a host right now treading on a line where there's probably trans listeners to this show listening, going, "You can't have this person tell their father's story for them." Um, but it's yeah. it's your story, you know. But I'm asking a lot of questions about about their psychology, about her psychology, about her choices. So right. I want to know. I want to focus back in, like when you find that support group ten years ago. I would have to imagine, especially ten years ago. I have to think. There's only there's still only. I mean, and and pardon my ignorance on this, but the examples that come to mind, you mentioned transparent. Think about Laverne, mm-hmm. Laverne Cox, right? I think Laverne uh, uh, yes. Orange is the New Black. I, I, it's Laverne Cox. Yeah, like. Thank you for not saying uh, Caitlyn Jenner. <laughs> right, Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner. The trans community was not super excited about that. <laughs> yeah, I would. I, I would imagine anything related to like a sensationalistic reality show. I would have to imagine is exactly. gonna, people are going to brace themselves for it. Um, yeah, but I don't even remember I, when Orange is the New Black started up. But I, I don't think it was ten years ago. Uh, definitely no, no. I was no, with none my, of this. I was with my wife. So th- it, w- did you almost feel like you were entering, so- like, it, it, I feel like it was a very, the sense I get, and pardon my ignorance, but just the sense I get just as being the dummy that I am, is this was still <laughs> very much a, a, a hidden culture 10 years ago, especially compared to right now. Yeah, well, no. So, so I did not find the support group 10 years ago. I didn't find it until like two weeks ago. Because there oh. was nothing 10 years ago. Oh. Yeah. So what was that? You, your show made me look again. Because when I, when I went to go look 10 years ago, what I found, gosh, I think I'm still on the Yahoo, uh, the Yahoo group that sends out like the digest emails um, of one group that was in Chicago <laughs> <laughs> of like maybe 10 people. And it was like, I don't know. I, I, I never even interacted with it. It just didn't even fit. So no, I went nine years without having any, anyone, nobody. Cause again, only child, like I don't even have a sibling to, to go through this with. And when, when you had that conversation in the car where this first came out after you saw milk, are you the, it sounds, it sounds like your father had been processing it with a, a shrink you had mentioned, but are you the first person in in her personal life to learn about this? I don't know. <laughs> I know. I think, I think she had already told my mom. Um, so yeah, yeah. I think she, I think she told my mom and then told me. But I don't. I I, wow. I, I actually never asked that question. <laughs> so what's that? When you're 23, had you had you heard of of the idea of being trans before your father brought it up to you? No, I didn't know what transgendered was. I mean, I had heard the phrase, but I also like didn't know what the difference between like transvestite, transgendered, and crossdresser was for sure. Right. No idea. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I think my the first. I'm trying to think. I, I remember there was there was a fan of my comedy who I used to see around town who was also a big Morrissey fan, and I remember when she transitioned. But that was not someone I knew well. That was just someone I watched from afar. That must have been around. Uh, 2010, 11, 12. And I, I feel like that was the first time that, that I knew someone who was public and visible. And I don't know that I even knew 10 years, 10 years ago, I think was, and I'm in New York city. Um, and I, I was ignorant to this. What, what's, 
What was that like? What was that like being an only child going, okay, let me sort this out? What are the steps there? Well, I really, I really wanted to be supportive. And as weird as this sounds, and you know, it's funny because I'm a part of your, your Facebook group and I really don't want people to hate me on this Facebook group uh, for saying things that sound really harsh. Um, so, so please, uh, Facebook group, be nice to me. Uh, <laughs> I care a lot about my dad. Um, but it was, uh, I just completely lost my train of thought. Mommy brain is real, by the way. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> I have not good. been able to like keep a train of thought for a really long time. That's okay. Um, ask me your you question can... again. <laughs> I was just basically, I just was basically saying you're 23. You don't, you've never heard of this. You don't know anyone else who's ever dealt with this. And then for years, you just kind right. of had to put the piece together. You're also, I mean, so uh, I'll say this too. For someone who's telling us about something that was really intense and for someone who's got an eight-month-old kid and so you never sleep, you're so <laughs> well-spoken and clear and expressive, so don't even worry about that. I was just asking about the emotions, you know? One of the most fascinating things you said is this idea of like, oh, you know, for as much as it's clear that you love your parent, it also feels like this person took your parent from you or replaced your parent short no, like no notice overnight. That's such a fascinating thing you don't hear. And I would have to think, I would have to think, certainly a touchy subject, there's certainly people who are going to have strong opinions on it, but I would have to think that anyone listening is giving you credit as someone who's thought hard about this experience for yourself and is uh, just telling us what it was like to live through it on your end of it. So I don't think there's any, you know, in in my end, I, I don't think anyone's going to listen and say it's hateful. I certainly think there are, are I know, uh, I know a few uh, people who I've met through Beautiful Anonymous who identify at varying in, in varying ways, and amongst them are, are trans people, and I'm sure they're going to have opinions, but I don't think you're coming off as uh, close-minded at all. So hearing the emotions of a 23-year-old well, who deals with this, I, what I'm basically <laughs> saying is when I was 23, I used to go big with the emotions, and I wasn't dealing with this, so you're going to tell us about these emotions, and I don't think there's anything wrong with just being honest about that, about the emotions of being well, a 23-year-old who didn't know what was going on and what that was like. Well, what's funny is at 23, I was actually... Well, let me, let me put it this way. Like I said, I'm an only child and my parents are extremely reactive and, and I know how to talk about this because I've been through so much therapy. But um, <laughs> at 23, I was really like still kind of living what my parents wanted me to be, which was kind of a parent for them and a support system for them. So when my dad came out and needed support, I was there. Like I wasn't even thinking about myself at 23. I, <laughs> I went to the trans support group with her um, as her daughter to support her with a bunch of other trans people, like within the week uh, that my dad came out. So, and I was, you know, and I still am like an advocate of trans rights for sure. I, uh, I worked on the Obama campaign in 08 um, because my best friend is a dreamer and I wanted healthcare and I'm an entrepreneur and a, you know, a self-employed person. And um, so Obamacare was amazing for me. And, you know, there was a lot of stuff that went under the table that not a lot of people knew about, or there was a lot of, not a lot of press, but um, Obama really helped the trans community a lot. And and I did a lot of work for it um, because I, it was amazing that my dad can now have like a, a driver's license that says female and a passport that says female. And I think at this point she's got the, um, the birth certificate changed. So those, oh, wow. those are huge things, especially with this stupid bathroom bill stuff and like all of this crazy crap that's coming out um, now just to have that, you know, cause um, if anybody questions her, you know, for a while she didn't have the, the female on her driver's license. So like when she was 
picking up cigarettes or something or somebody carded her for whatever reason. And they saw that. I think, I think there was one time where she even got denied. They wouldn't give her whatever it was that she was trying to buy. Um, because the gender didn't match on her driver's license. So, um, so I worked for all of that and, and I still like in theory and, and in my best days, like really want, (laughs) I really want to work so hard for the trans community because this is my dad and I will always care for my father. But yeah, no, I, I, when I started going to therapy and started like really working through it was when I realized that I just hadn't given myself even the time to process the loss Um, because nobody gave it to me and I didn't take it. So it was just, uh, I'm literally now almost 10 years later thinking about whether we can do a memorial service, but it feels so selfish um, to want to do it for me now. And so far, (laughs) far from the actual transition. Is that, Um, is that something that I don't really know how to ask for it? (laughs) Is, is that, uh, is that sort of like a ceremony or, or, tradition or ritual that that people do in this situation i mean look this this group that i'm on on facebook i think there are 150 of us and it's national so i don't think that there's like things that people do yet (laughs) especially since this is hopefully something that is only going to happen to a select few of us because trans people can come out now they they you know of course it's still very dangerous and and a really really difficult thing to talk about but at least it's not like something that is impossible and not in the public eye and people don't even know the name for. So I'm hoping that there won't be a lot of people like me, adults that find out that their parents have been hiding something from them for 50 some years. But I don't know. I mean, it was suggested at the time, but it was suggested in a bad way by this, uh, a different therapist, not my dad's therapist. Um, And it was like, way too much for me to say at that point. I was like, no, my dad's not dead. This is ridiculous. Like, no, she's right there. You know, she's just a lady. But now, 10 years later, I see how actually it would be really nice to just be upset. (laughs) (laughs) To just actually be sad that I don't. Because I'll tell you, um, I I have a lot of clarity on this. Um, I go to Burning Man every year. um, And not this past year, because I was pregnant. (laughs) But uh, but I go every year and I met someone um, last, no, two years ago who I just became infatuated with um, and no worries. I didn't cheat on my husband and my husband knows about all of it. And it was kind of like an open communication process that I was having with him because I, this guy reminded me just a hundred percent of my dad as a male. And I was just like obsessed with him because he reminded me of my dad. And I kept saying like, why is this so strong? Why? why just do I want to talk to this guy all the time? And I realized it was because I missed my dad so much and my dad just wasn't the same person anymore. So that was kind of when I started realizing that there was a lot of stuff buried that I had just set aside and didn't deal with to be a fully supportive daughter. And so I started working through that again, but it comes in chunks because then, you know, I got pregnant and it was all about that. And I'm just now getting back into it and kind of, uh, put forward again by this transition and my dad getting the surgery now and saying that she doesn't want to be doing Father's Day anymore. <laughs> so I'm back in it. Let's let's pump the brakes a second right there. We get back more of this phone call and guess what? Some discussion parenting might ruffle some feathers in some ways you don't see coming based on what we've heard before. All that and more when we get back. Stay tuned. It's been a little while, but Michael Ian Black 
is back on Earwolf. Mike Liam Black, such a hilarious dude, thoughtful dude. He's got a new podcast called Obscure. In Obscure, Michael tackles a great work of literature he's never read and that you probably haven't either. He's written one of the most well-respected books ever written, Jude the Obscure. He's reading it out loud. He's commenting as he goes, even though he didn't really want to. That sounds funny to me. This book's been on his bookshelf for years. It's mocking him, but he's reading it for you. It's got a lot of thoughts to share along the way. Michael was a guest on the uh, Chris Gethard show, the TV show, and he was really great and really, uh, I tell you, really knows how to balance being a thoughtful guy and a funny guy. He's, uh, it's funny. He's such a, his sense of humor can feel so detached, but then he's also so heartfelt at the same time. It, it's a really interesting dude. Like him a lot. Join Michael Ian Black, some of his famous and non-famous friends and experts as he discovers Jude's world and a few things about his own. Is it a terrible idea? Probably. But it's a terrible idea he wants to do with you. So do it. Subscribe to Obscure now in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Thanks again to all of our advertisers who help us bring this show to the world. Now let's finish off the phone call. Put forward again by this transition and my dad getting the surgery now and saying that she doesn't want to be doing Father's Day anymore. <laughs> so I'm back in it. Right, right. I mean, it is, as you think of it, it is so unique. It's like, I, I would have to imagine it, it, you're, it, it's such a unique situation where like you can probably look at pictures from your childhood and have that same feeling of like, ah, I wish I could, I wish I could talk to him one more time in the same way that someone whose parent did pass away might. But your parent is yeah, no, this, luckily still alive. Yeah, my dad's gone. Yeah. My dad's not, not that person anymore. Like, it's definitely not. And we were so close. We were so close. I, I was a kid that, for a number of reasons, but I never did anything bad. I told everything to my parents. I literally have not a single thing that, like, I didn't tell them. I didn't do bad things. That was just it. I didn't drink until I was 19, and it was because uh, my parents pulled me aside and I was already in college and they said, you know, like, Hey, it's kind of abnormal at this point that you haven't tried any alcohol. Do you want something? (laughs) And I I tried it. Like I tried some Bailey's Irish cream sitting at a pool of a friend's house with them. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And it took me about two hours to drink like maybe (laughs) half a shot. And I mean, I I can enjoy alcohol now. I'm a, I'm a total like straight scotch girl. Um, But I just didn't, I didn't do anything, you know? So I was, I was really close. Just I was your really classic, close to them and told them everything. Your classic uh, tale of uh, discovering booze, sipping, a, uh, just taking a little, <laughs> couple of little sips of uh, Bailey's next to a pool with your parents. <laughs> little sips of Bailey's. <laughs> right. I'm sure that's everyone's story, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's much more common than mine, which is some friend of mine managed to convince a... Uh, man of questionable character to uh, buy a bunch of Miller Genuine Draft and we kept it in the woods of New Jersey and we would walk in the cold (laughs) through the woods and then we'd drink skunked beer in the woods because we had it and we didn't know what skunked meant. So we'd just drink in the woods and then we'd get blackout drunk and feel bad. (laughs) No, with with an alcoholic that was a real alcoholic until I was 11, I was convinced that I was going to be an alcoholic if I had even a taste of booze. And it's still in the back of my mind. I am a very responsible, responsible alcohol drinker. But it's like every time I think that I want like a beer or like, you know, a little bit of scotch, I'll be like, is this? No, it's just me wanting a drink. It's fine. <laughs> right. You, um, very measured, yeah. very, very measured, thoughtful person in all areas, it's becoming clear. 
I have, I have two big questions yeah, for you. Yeah, but it's not, sometimes oh, go that's not it. good. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> no, so you wish you were a little more impulsive, it sounds like. You wish you could let your guard down a little bit. You feel like maybe some of the, some of the circumstances that you've come up with have, have, uh, have, have not allowed that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm the ultimate mother, right? So I'll be a great mother to my son, but I wasn't really ever a kid. Well, that's one of the questions I wanted to ask is, you know, you've mentioned a little bit about, you know, you really research your parenting strategies. You really do that. How has your experience, I mean, because again, you know, we've talked about the big one, but you mentioned that even even before this adjustment in your life, even before these big changes, that your parents, uh, your your relationship wasn't what you would call traditional. It sounds like uh, that's still the case with your mom as well. How, how, as you have a kid now, like what are the things you're thinking about where you're like, okay, here's the adjustments I'm going to make. Well, I'm coming from a place where I just know what I don't want to do. And that's what's so hard. You know, um, like I, my husband, well, first of all, I was a mistake. Um, my mom, they told me that. And, and my parents told me that they considered abortion. Um, and it was a hot button issue between the two of them. And my mother never forgave my father for wanting one. So um, I'm pretty sure I was a one night stand. Um, they were in uh, Sound of Music together. And, um, this is one hell of an origin were, story. <laughs> and then, um, my mom was 39 already and, um, had been married and divorced twice. Um, and they were dating and then she found out that she was pregnant, uh, and they did a shotgun wedding in their blue jeans in, uh, at the courthouse. And, um, and, and that was, <laughs> that was it. Like they kind of lived together. Uh, for me, I mean, my, my mother had this problem for a very long time and she's like just now getting to the point where, uh, she's kind of been forced not to do it, but she's been just a victim her whole life, like really forced herself to be a victim, done a lot of work to make sure she's a victim. Um, but she, she basically said that she didn't love my father the entire time they were married. Um, but she only stayed together with my father because of me. And she was worried that my dad was going to hurt me, which my dad has never been physically abusive to anyone. Um, so that was, you know, that was a little bit of a stretch. And, uh, so I, I don't know, like, I just don't, we planned this pregnancy. We made sure we actually tried for 11 months before, um, before he was actually conceived. Um, I was, I was at the point, they don't consider you infertile and you can't go in for treatments or anything until 12 months. But I actually fought my way into a fertility clinic because I was so worried. Uh, and when I got in, they were like, mm, we still can't do anything because you're not infertile. <laughs> like, <"Give it."> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I had started reading pregnancy books when we started trying to conceive. So 11 months of pregnancy books. And so I was through the pregnancy books by the time I was actually pregnant. Then through the pregnancy, I was reading parenting books. Um, so we're just like the uber deliberate parents. And I basically started from zero and just decided what made sense to me, which is, I would like to say this. I, I actually said to myself, if I ever get on here and I am anonymous, I'm going to say co-sleeping is awesome. It is not scary. You will not kill your child. Just do it safely. Um, and Wait, is cry it out is really horrible. Cry, cry <laughs> sleeping or co-sleeping is having the child sleep in the bed with you? Yes, it is. There is just, oh my gosh, I could go on a rant for forever about this because this is the way that we did it from like caveman days. 
And if so many children died of suffocation because of co-sleeping, we wouldn't exist as humans. So it doesn't make any sense. Um, there's a lot of really <laughs> sensationalized data out there about co-sleeping and people are really scared about it because they have these crazy <laughs> campaigns. But I'll tell you what, crib companies make a lot of money from it. Um, my position, uh, my prediction, my prediction is that you, this is going to blow up. <laughs> that more people are going to be mad about your stance on co-sleeping than they are about anything you've said about uh, about I'm your experience. I'm absolutely certain that you're right. Yeah. You're right. But see, I'm anonymous, and I don't care about that. That's great. <laughs> I will say you just got more emotional and worked up about that than anything else you've told in the prior 53 minutes, all of which is more personal. You just, you just went into like, I just heard, you might as well have just like cocked a shotgun and kicked open a door about co-sleeping, <laughs> an issue which I will point out no one brought up. <laughs> well, you said how I was going to raise my son and like what I was picking. Co-sleeping is a big aspect of it. I mean, it's a big, it's like a big deal to actually do. It's, it's a lot of hard work and a lot of preparation. Um, but we're also like, you know, we do a, attachment parenting, which is, is also pretty hard. Um, I'm doing the breastfeeding thing, um, which has been ridiculously hard because there's a lot of, uh, women have a hard time with breastfeeding and it's not as perfect as people think that it is. And you don't get a lot of support. Um, so, but breastfeeding is so amazing. Um, and it's so, it does so much, uh, for so many different things. So that's why I, I just, I, I'm really passionate about the way that I'm raising my son because we raised him very differently than I think the majority of people in the U S do. Um, and I don't really have a community <laughs> of people where I can just, sit down and bitch at them about how uh, we are very different than everyone else. And we get like co-sleeping, especially it is, you'll see the Facebook group will go nuts, but um, it is, it's a very controversial issue because <laughs> SID is like, of course. they roped in suffocation in SID. So they basically are just saying that like parents, because there are people out there that get like blackout drunk and then take Ambien and then sleep in the same bed as their child, which I would never do in my life is like the same as preparing and making sure that everything is set up and it's like the same amount of danger level. So there's just a lot of stuff out there. People are going to um, be mad about this. People are going to be mad about this. I'm happy to stir controversy with this because it needs to be talked about. It's just like <laughs> the problem. <laughs> Screw the transgender thing. No, no God, now but, um, you've done it. Just that, that saying, now that sound clip's going to get isolated and that's going to go everywhere. Right, of course. Yeah. No, I love, I love the whole transgender community and it has nothing to do with co-sleeping or how I'm raising my son. No, but co-sleeping is amazing. I'll just say that there has never been a single day that I have felt like my son was in danger. And um, it's amazing to wake up like the other day, uh, he woke up probably like one minute before I did and then just smacked me in the face. So that was a really nice way to wake up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, so it's, it sounds it's like, really sweet. It sounds like you're very into the idea of research things, go in with a strong sense of intent, build a foundation that has a a game plan behind a purpose, let the kid feel that. If you're doing the attachment parenting, is this kid like, is this kid like uh, right next to you this whole time? No, because he was my, my husband. um, So when we moved back to the States, uh, we were going to not work for both of us for a year. We had saved enough up and we weren't paying a mortgage in Canada. Um, not because we're taking advantage of the system, but because uh, his mother-in-law owns a house there. Um, so we were both going to be staying parents for a full year, which I think is really amazing. But when we came back here, one of us had to go back to work. Um, and I'm more specialized. I make more money per hour. So I ended up going back to work because 
it was less hours for the amount of money that we needed to pay our mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So my husband is still stay at home for the most part, and I'm only working like 13 hours a week or so. But so my husband is home, and he and he took him into the other room when I got on hold. <laughs> oh, wow, wow. Um, I want to ask a hard question, but I feel. Uh, I'd feel irresponsible if I didn't ask it. It's uh, it, it you you know we mentioned the high suicide rates in the trans community, attempt the especially attempted. Um, there's also a pretty remarkable amount of violence against uh, trans people, especially trans women, is my understanding. Is that? Oh yeah. Do you have, do you have to sit around being scared now? Is that? I hate to even bring it up. We only have three minutes left, but I'd feel like it was a cop out if I didn't ask. No, I mean, it's something, look, it was, it was something where she understood the risks when she came out. And, and if you saw my dad down the street at this point, um, you wouldn't, at least from my perspective, you wouldn't look twice. She's somebody who passes pretty well. She's got, she had feminine features before, um, that you couldn't really tell because, you know, she was a man and you weren't really looking for it. But, um, when she transitioned and she wears a wig and, um, she has breasts, uh, because of the hormones and everything. So it's not something where, especially now that she has, uh, a, more of a sense of style and, and knows how to do her makeup and knows how to pick clothes and everything. Uh, you'd be pretty hard pressed to like tell her that she's not a woman. Like you'd probably get some weird stares if you question that with her at this point. Um, so not with my father because she passes pretty well, but I do have to say like, um, another random bit about me is that I'm a professional singer and I sing, um, professionally for Catholic churches. Um, I'm not Catholic, okay. Okay. but I loved when you were talking about okay. the PC with you on the other. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I love that part of it and I can totally get down with the PC with you. And I also do not say, uh, Lord, hear our prayer with the stuff that I don't agree with. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta um, bail every once in a while. There's nothing. Everything about your life is insanely specific. Do you know that? Your parenting <laughs> style, your job, your backstory on both paternal and maternal sides. Everything about you is ultra specific. Your politics. Yeah, I was I was raised by actors. I know how to talk. That's for sure. You drive an electric car, don't you? You definitely drive an electric car. I do. I do have a Prius. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I knew it was going to be I at least it. a hybrid. I love my Prius. <laughs> I knew it was going to be at least a hybrid based on everything else. That should be a new yeah. game at the end of the podcast is based on what people say, I guess, what kind of car they drive. I knew That's it. perfect. I knew it. You recycle. <laughs> you, do you have a car? You compost. I bet you compost. No, I'm way too lazy. I would like to. Yeah, you sound real lazy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, maybe maybe let me just say that I I choose to use my time for other things. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. But we recycle. Is that good? Yeah, that's good. Very good. We have one minute left. (laughs) This has been uh, one of the more fascinating calls, I would say, in the history of the show. Anything you want to get out in these last 50 seconds? Uh, no, besides the co-sleeping thing, <laughs> no, I really, I can't wait to see the Facebook group, uh, talk about that. Um, no, I thank you so much because like I said, I happened upon your podcast and just kind of randomly, and it helped me remember why I wanted to talk about this stuff. And I really hope that this reaches in people that might have not heard this perspective before about the trans issue. Well, I want to thank you for calling and uh, for sharing everything was eye-opening. And most importantly, I, I hope you, uh, you do continue to find the ways to, to take care of yourself. Thank you. Yeah.
and I'm not going to be the person that gets cut off. So you get to talk for the rest of this time. <laughs> really? Why do you think that? Not doing it. <laughs> oh, I almost had you. <laughs> Caller, thank you again for calling. Being so open, being so honest, causing so much trouble with the parenting technique stuff. 100% guarantee that that will cause more uproar than anything else, which I think actually maybe speaks to some positive momentum in the world uh, in, in terms of certain issues. I think that's really great. Guess who's back in the booth? The Reverend John Delore rejoins us one day only. Old Jerry O'Connell somewhere counting his money. Reverend John Delore back from the early days. Thank you, John, for everything. And thank you to Greta Connor. I'll build the show in the early days. Thank you, Jared, who's some, off somewhere right now being a nice guy. Counting his money. Thank you to Harry Nelson. Thanks for getting me the tea. That was awful nice of you. Thanks to Shell Shag for the intro music. If you want to know more about me when I'm going out on the road, chrisketh.com is the website. All the dates are there. If you like the show, go to Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe. It really does help. More than you know. See you next time on Beautiful Anonymous. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous, who knew that Copenhagen is the greatest place ever and we all got to visit right now? But do people in Denmark have jobs and stuff? You can't just spend all day smoking weed in the streets and then jumping in lakes. We are just really good at managing like, our drinking and then working at the same time. <laughs> You're making it sound like such a fantasy land where anything goes. If we come from America, this is an absolute fantasy land. Like the healthcare and the drinking, you can't really like, amount to anything else. <laughs> what are all these frolicking, screaming young people? Why do I live in America? You're making just the background noise alone of this call makes me feel like I live in the wrong part of the world. It's making me feel like there's youth and adventure. That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous.